good to see all of you here today. Those of you joining us online, we're honored to have you spend some time with us today. Uh, if you're visiting with us here today, I want to say thank you. Thanks for taking a chance on us. We're honored to worship the Lord with you. Those of you who are a part of the First Church family, I love you. I hope you had a wonderful holidays. It's such a joy to serve the Lord together. And God has so honored us that for the whole of 2023, we have been able to do life together. We've been able to do ministry together. We've been able to open our heart to outsiders. We don't want to be an insider-only community. We want to have a heart for outsiders. Uh, we have not had all smooth selling. Can I have an amen? We have had difficulties along the way, but we are here to say that God is faithful. Well, I expected a better amen than that. My God, when Sister Benice was up here, Pastor Don was shouting, but when I get up here, I can't even get an amen. You, whoo, that's what I'm talking about right there. Come on, somebody. Ready to have church now. Uh, so uh, uh, we have had the difficulties of uh, a fast-moving year, and yet God is good all the time, and he is faithful in every circumstance. He is a friend that sticketh, somebody say closer. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I want you to know whatever you are facing, there is hope in the promises of God. And we never come together except that we remind ourselves of the great hope we have in Jesus Christ and the great hope we have in the gospel. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, God could make it better. Yes. Whatever pain you're living with, whatever loneliness besets you, God could make it better. You weren't meant to do it alone. If your life feels a little bit too hard, it's probably a light on the dashboard going off that says it would be better with God. Can I get a better amen? It would be better with God. And so you probably say, oh, but I'm not perfect. I, I want to say back to that, uh, it would be better with God. You want to say, I I've dropped the ball at least 17 times this year. Actually, it's been more than 17. You've just forgotten. It would be better with God. Uh, so we are here to remind all of you that the purpose of a church is to join our hearts with other people and to passionately seek to build that relationship with God. The whole point of Christmas, the whole point of death, burial, resurrection is that we now have become the temple of God's spirit. We are hosting. We have ability to host him. How have you done hosting the presence of God? If you're waiting for perfection, you'll never host him. The point of Calvary was that he would give you his report card. Your report card is full of, full of F's and D's. Okay? His report card is straight A's. And he said... I love you so much and I would like to have a real relationship with you. So here's the gospel. I'll give you my report card <laughs> and then you will able to live, you'll be able to live in grace. You'll able, be able to worship, to draw nigh unto him because the judgment that had kept you from his presence has been removed through grace. Oh, I'm not preaching about that today, but maybe I am. Who knows? Um, I wanna, I'm going to read from Romans 8 and 28. I'll give 
our projection team a moment to get there. I wasn't exactly sure which way I was going, and whenever that's the case, oftentimes they do not get advance notice of what I'm doing and where I'm going. I had a title, uh, but there are many ways to tell a story. And so uh, we are going to uh, look at Romans 8 and 28. My title is The Best Reason to Start Over. The Best Reason to Try Again. The Best Reason. I forgot what I was preaching. Uh, The Best Reason to Try Again. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things worked. And some of y'all don't believe that. You learned how to say amen, but now you have to live that out. Come on. You have to live that out. You know, it's not just ideas that has consequences. Theology has consequences. And we know that all things work together, work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The tension, the struggle, the battle of all things, facing all things, surviving all things. Elbow your neighbor, say that part was for you. Surviving all things. You see, not all things are pretty. Not all things are pleasant. Uh, not all things are painless. And yet God's going to use all things to work together to a spiritual purpose in your life. Now, if you have a hunger for spiritual purpose, if all you care about is weekends and paychecks, if there's not something within you drawing you towards spiritual relationship, I hope you picked a good career because that's going to be what you've got. I hope you like your spouse because that's who you're stuck with (laughs) or not. (laughs) I hope that things really work out well because if you haven't a hunger, if you are Esau and when your father tells the patriarchal stories of how the voice of God spoke, but there's nothing within you that's drawn to that. What you really want to do is just spend your time having fun, your version of fun, insert whatever your version of fun is. If that is enough for you, um, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the blessing is not going to find you. I don't mean to be ugly. I love you. God bless you. I'll give you a great big hug after church. But um, the blessing is wanting to be wanted. God is not the only one seeking. We seek him. And as we seek him, he seeks us. And it becomes a love story. I'm not preaching about that either. Let's talk about the problems, the real problems of change. Um, all of us have things that we uh, would like to improve about ourselves. Um, if you don't have anything you would like to prove with yourself, I just want you to know I hate you a little bit. Um, and I'm mad that you sleep so well at night. And I really, really hope you stu- uh, you know, stub one of your ten toes after church um, because I have a painful list of things I would like to do better at. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? I have a painful list. Not, not a mild list, a painful list of things I really would like to do better at. Uh, y'all, would y'all, anybody want some confession time? <laughs> You're like, as long as it's for you. <laughs> Here's confession time. Are you ready for this? Confession time. There's things I didn't want to fight in my 50s. talking about painful silence now, aren't we? Uh, I wanted to be done with it in my 20s. And guess what? It's still there. I wanted to be done in my 30s. 
I want to be done. It's like that uh, that the, the famous story, uh, brother N. A. Urshan, who many of you would not know, but one of the great elders. We actually had his daughter, uh, granddaughter, great granddaughter here uh, here recently uh, leading worship. Um, uh, he tells a story about how he was preaching at a, uh, an event, and <clears throat> young preacher came up to him and said, "I can't wait until I'm old like you." And brother Urshan said, uh, "Excuse me." He said, "Yeah, well, I don't mean it bad, but at your age, there's no temptation left." And um, <laughs> I think this falls under the category of slap a fool. <laughs> anyway, uh, the next that week, Brother Urshan was at a grocery store and he had paid with a hundred dollar bill. And the lady, the lady who was running the ca- the cash the cash box, she was real flustered, and she grabbed the wrong stack of money. This is before everybody just swipes and runs, you know. And she, rather than counting out change in tens, she counted out change in hundred dollar bills. And so she put nine one hundred dollar bills in. In his hand and then some change. And he said, I stood there and I looked at all that money in my hand and I all I could hear was that young guy saying he couldn't wait until he got old because then there would not be any more temptation. <laughs> I love that story. Um, I have a painful list of things I would like to get better at. I, I would like to get better at it. Have I made progress? Yes, I've made progress. Um, have I improved? Yes. You should have known me uh, back in uh, the wild, wild west days. I, I've made improvement. Um, my spirit's a little bit better. Can somebody say, thank God? My patience is a little bit better. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I don't quite jump to the first bad attitude that comes along. I normally wait for the second or the third bad attitude. Now, this is for you. Some of you ought to say amen because y'all know exactly what I'm talking about in this house. I don't jump on the first bad attitude. I wait for the second or the third one to come by. Um, I need to change, but change is crazy, crazy hard. It's exhausting. Change is uh, hard. It is irritating, and I need to change. This isn't just a spiritual idea. It's not just a religious idea. Uh, this is a human a human idea. Um, Gilder Radner said, life is about not knowing, having to change, taking the moment, making the best of it, without knowing what's going to happen next. Thomas Edison said, I have not failed. I found 10,000 ways that did not work. Um, old proverb goes like this. The gem cannot be polished without friction, nor a man perfected without trials. Starting over, trying again. It is uh, irritatingly painful. It is painfully hard. It is exhausting. I should be over this already, and I need to do better. I need to do better. I need to do better. Is this just a spiritual thing? No, this is a human thing. You can look at all of the great literature, all of the great novels, and uh, I love looking at uh, novels because they write out in character what philosophers are trying to say in principle. Now, if you're at all uh, melancholy, you might write that down and think about it later, okay? But a, a great novel uh, will try to put in character prose, dialogue, the great questions that the philosopher in their ivory tower is banging their head against. And so you read people like Charles Dickens and you read stories like A Tale of Two Cities or Great Expectation and you drill down into the characters and what you're faced with is this problem of second chances. The problem of second chances stuck in a reality of painful reality and trying to grasp this painfully thin thread of second chances. 
Read Leo Tolstoy. They're grappling with redemption, facing moral dilemmas, seeking what? Renewal. Seeking renewal. The complexities of starting over in the face of social expectations. More. Read Cervantes, Don Quixote. Themes of idealism, disillusionment, and the painful task of what? Reinventing yourself. Shall we continue? Let's do. I prepared. Uh, Dostoevsky, writing Crime and Punishment, Brothers Karamazov. What are the themes? Guilt and redemption. Is it possible to have a type of moral or spiritual or even ethical rebirth in spite of all the painful, sinful, tragic transgressions of the past? George Eliot, writing Middlemarch, or Daniel Deronda. Uh, The characters uh, grappling with personal change trying to find a path of self-discovery. Faulkner writing The Sound and the Fury, or As I Lay Dying. What are the themes? The themes are human themes. I don't have to read the Bible to hit you over the head with this. I can refer the great novels. I can refer to the philosophers. I can refer even to the, uh, the most memorable movies. This is still a human problem. The, op- the characters confront their pasts and they try to build a new identity in the fragments that, refrain- that remain. And more, you can urbanize it. You can read and now you're trying to navigate these surreal bureaucratic worlds and there's these themes now are of alienation and uh, you get the idea. They're trying to break free of something. In their case, this oppressive system to do what? To live out change, to live out rebirth. On and on and on we go. It's a human problem. Read your philosophers. You'll find it there. Read the great novels. You'll find it there. Listen to the great music. Listen to the modern bards play their guitars and sing their song and they wrestle with this issue. You don't just have to come to church and hear an old guy preach to hear this issue. It is a human fundamental problem and we stand in the last year, the last Sunday of 2023 and we're about to step sometime about midnight tonight over this imaginary dateline and we're going to be in a new year and it is a human thing to wrestle with. Can I do better? Can I be a better version of myself? I may Maybe can't fix everything, but is there anything I can work on? I'm here to tell you today, God is always looking to do a new thing. The great spiritual invitation of the gospel and the great spiritual themes from Old Testament to New is God whispering to some group of people, let's do a new thing. If you will, I will. Let's do an anointed thing. If you will, I will. Let's do a holy thing. If you will, I will. Let's change the world. If you will, I will. Let's see blind eyes open. If you will, I will. Or let me say it this way, church. As your faith is, so be it unto thee. Hey. 
Here we stand as a church, and um, we had a goal last year to embrace the community more, to reach out more to the community. We didn't make a big theme out of it. I know there's a lot of churches that they do that every year. They make a big theme, and um, it's that's great. Uh, we probably should do more of that. Uh, but on a pastoral staff level, we, we do this, and we talk about things and wanted to open up new connections. And God did more than meet us halfway. Uh, just the connection that we've made with um, uh, AMPA, uh, doing the health clinic for the neighborhoods. We're having many, many visitors that know us through these types of things. Uh, successful kickoff, um, this uh, second year of Celebrate Recovery. And we're getting known now as a, a church that cares. We're not just isolationists for Jesus, <laughs> but we actually have a missional heart. God, help us to do better with that. Don't let us ever be satisfied just to celebrate ourselves and sit around like Pharisees and judge other people. But God, let us have a heart, beat ourselves on the chest and say, have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. Use me for your purpose. Take my hands, take my feet, take what pitiful talents I have and multiply them like loaves and fishes in your hands to make a difference in this world for something to matter in Jesus' name. Oh, why don't you join me in that prayer right now? Lift up your hands all across the house. Lord Jesus, use us for your kingdom. Use us for your glory. Multiply our efforts. Anoint us for your purpose. Help us to overcome fears. Help us to identify everything that limits us and help us to be committed, convinced, and consecrated for your kingdom. Now put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of prayer. Oh, I wish somebody had raised their voice right now and say, I claim it. I wish somebody would have a shout in your heart and say, start right here, oh God. Work in me, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, don't slip by, but stop right here. Um, this problem of change. Uh, uh, it's really easy for uh, churchified people to look outside the church and identify those who need something. It's really, really common for us to see the, you know, the alcoholic after a binge night and maybe they're, I don't know, in some type of uh, gutter <laughs> after a party night, who knows, or hungover or something. And we think to ourselves, now they really need Jesus as if we don't need Jesus quite so bad. <laughs> you know, you see the, the addict. You say, well, they really need Jesus. Or like the person sitting beside you, you, you could elbow them and say, now you really need Jesus. Maybe not me so bad. That's what me and my wife do to each other on a regular basis. Um, uh, but here's the reality. Whether or not your life is together or a mess, we all need Jesus. Whether you're doing good at organizing or you're not organized, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. They say, oh, well, you don't know what I've done. <laughs> you don't know what I'd like to have done. Ooh, I can kill the spirit. I like have a gift or something. <laughs> well, you don't know what I did. You don't know what was in my heart to do. And God is judging at the level of the heart. Desire. You see, God's goal is transformation. That means he has to work at the level of the heart. And that's why sin is not the, as big a barrier as you think it is. Sin, we have an antidote for sin. Let me tell you what we don't have an antidote for. Lack of faith. Oh, y'all don't want to preach with me today. They're going to make me preach by myself. It's all right. It's all right. I'm just going to keep my eyes on Sister Venice, and she's going to be my amen corner right here. 
Um, so uh, the word of the Lord, I'm reading now, uh, Jeremiah 18. If you guys want to hop over there, we'll read starting at verse number one. Um, this issue, this challenge that God is issuing to all of our hearts, I want you to get this. I'm, I'm not going to preach a, a, a much longer than a couple hours today. So I really want you to focus and get this here. Jeremiah 18, and we're going to uh, read at verse number one, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house. There's a lesson that you are not getting here. You need a visual representation, Jeremiah. You're missing this. I want you to go to the potter's house because there's a lesson of action that's happening there. I want you to go there to the potter's house and there I will call thee to hear my words. You're struggling to hear me. Let me see if I can make a point. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he, was, that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. The, the vessel he made, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred. Somebody say marred. It was marred in the hand of the potter. Um, isn't it interesting that all God seems to have to work with is marred vessels? And isn't it interesting that he would like to do something new with marred vessels? And isn't it a great picture of grace that the bruised reed he will not break and the smoking flax he will not quench? You see, in olden times, they made lutes out of reeds, but if they bruised it in the process of harvesting or cutting it, it wouldn't play like a lute should play. It had a screechy tone to it, and so they'd just break it over their knee, and here comes the prophecy speaking of Jesus. He's not going to do that. He's willing to play on the squeaky, out-of-tune lute. My God. And when they made flax, like candles or lanterns around the house, if they made it wrong, it wouldn't burn clean. So what it would do, it'd fill the whole house with smoke. And the, your eyes are burning, and they're red, and they're watering. So what would they do? They'd just snuff it out. Because no one wants to sit in a smoked-up house, except some of you crazy people. But uh, most people don't want to sit in a smoked-up house. That's funny. I don't care what y'all say. And um, so they would just snuff it out. But here's the Lord. Take this prophetic image. Take this prophetic image. This smoky stuff, smoky flax, Im flax imperfect, I'm not going to snuff it out. I'm going to use what I've got to work with. Right. That was for you. Somebody say, preach it, preacher. That was for you. I don't do everything right, and God's decided to use me anyway. This is not a justification for embarrassment of God's ways. It's not a justification for sin in my heart. It is a different kind of motivation. Remember that word. It is a different kind of motivation. Let's go back to Jeremiah. So the potter made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. The potter is not throwing the clay away. He is working the clay. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He is kind. He is working the, the, the clay. Verse 5, this is what God's been trying to say to the prophet, and the prophet has been struggling to hear, and he could not get it without the visual image of the potter. The word of the Lord came to me saying, oh, how's 
house of Israel cannot I do with you as this potter saith the Lord behold as the clay is in the potter's hand so are ye in my hand O house of Israel and so on the brink of a new year the Lord asks us this question uh, would you like to try again would you like to try again uh, mercy says you get to try again if you want to grace says you get to repent and try again if you want to it is not a um, it's not really a get out of jail free card as it is a question do you want to live there <laughs> or would you like to begin making your way to a better life it's not as though uh, that which you have sown will have no crop in your life. It's as though, would you like to start redefining your life? Would you like to start changing what you're planning? Would you like to start changing how you're living? Come on, somebody. Would you like to start doing better? Would you like to change anything? Now, if career is enough for you, I've got nothing for you. I hope you have a great career. I hope nothing bad happens. Uh, if, 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 if your hobbies are enough for you, I mean, God bless you. I mean, I like my hobbies too. There's not enough to replace the needs of my soul. If, however, there's anything in you that would like to walk a little closer to God, guess what? Grace says you get to try and try and try again. The just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Would you like to try again? I want to raise my hand and say, Lord, I'd like to try again. Thank you for bringing me through this year and thank you for placing me before a brand new year. I want to do better than I've done. I want to pray better than I've prayed. I want to speak better than I've spoken. I want better faith, better attitude. I want to say I'm sorry more this year. I want to be a better dad this year. I want to be a better husband this year. I want to be a better pastor this year, Lord. I, I'm here. I'm raising my hand. I want to try again. I want to try again. And so uh, let me end as our musicians come with dealing with this, this, this question of why. Uh, because the truth is, what is the great enemy of second chances? Are you ready for this? Cynicism. Cynicism is the great enemy of second chances. And if you have fallen into a habit of cynicism, you will probably not even know that you are being cynical because you do not know how you're using cynicism as an excuse to stay stuck. Quiet now. That must have been good. Uh, <laughs> um, I will interpret it how I choose to interpret it. Um, uh, cynicism is an excuse to stay stuck. And what cynicism does is it looks for the worst in others so you can justify the worst in yourself. That's the whole work of cynicism. Um, I don't want to do better. Um, so let's say I'll pick something. I, I need to eat better. Okay, I have a food problem. None of you guys have a food problem, but I, I have a food problem. I love sugar. If you added up how much of my calories comes from sugar, you would immediately call a solemn fast. Uh, in the church, um, I, I need to I need to to eat better. But uh, what if what I did instead of trying to eat better? What if what I did is I started watching everything you ate? Mm. <laughs> 
Come on, somebody. Yeah. Now, instead of getting unstuck, somebody say unstuck, I am looking for how you eat. And if I can see you eating too much of your calorie budget as sugar, I feel better about it and I stay stuck. Have I fixed anything? This is your part here. You say no. Now, you say it better. You say verily indeed no. <laughs> have I fixed anything? No. Verily indeed no. But I have justified my stuckness. Cynicism is where you go when laziness. Oh, man, I used the L word. Um, laziness uh, is, the, is, good enough, is a good enough answer for you. Cynicism always is a defense against change. And so here's how it goes. I need to do better, but I look around and I find other people are similar to me. They're not doing as good as they could, so I feel better about it. Cynicism. Cynicism. Let me say it this way. Cynicism kills your potential. And that's not just a spiritual truth. That's just a truth. <laughs> Cynicism is the opposite of showing up with a good attitude and working hard. <laughs> Cynicism is you clipping your own wings. And so, let's talk about church people. There's something within us that goes like this. Oh God, if I start again, it's just going to be another thing. I do good for a while and then I do the same old thing. I'm so sick of trying. Is that real enough for you? I'm sick of trying. I want to give up. I'm done. I'm over it. Finito. Completo. It's my new Spanish word. Completo. L. No. That should be a la completo. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm sick of it. Don't talk to me about a new year. Don't talk to me about new resolutions. Um, that preacher's going to come along and he's going to tell me I can try again. I, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Tired of it. Um, What's the best reason that I can give you to convince you to try again? Um, I could give you a lot of things that aren't very good reasons. If you're spiritual, you should try again. Uh, here's the truth. All of us are spiritual. Just some of us can't face it. So we starve our souls by feeding our flesh. Um, I could say if you are, if you're, if you're, I don't know, righteous, then you should try again. <laughs> well, if you're righteous, what are we talking about trying again for? Mm. If you are brave, then you should try again. Why try? Am I probably going to drop the ball again? Oh, don't make me answer that question. I don't want to answer that question. I refuse to answer that question. Why should I try again? Why should I repent of my bad habits and say, God, I'm here trying again. Why? What is your motivation? Remember I told you we're coming back to motivation? What is your why? What is your why? What is your why? You need a why. Otherwise, you're going to quit as soon as you get a little bit tired. You need a why. Uh, the why needs to be bigger than the pain or you'll stop. I believe it was the philosopher Nietzsche who said, men can endure almost any what if they have a big enough why. Some version of that. What is your why? Well, I'm going to give you the best reason to try again. Are you ready for this? John 21. 
verse number 15. And when they had, I'll wait till we get our screens up there. John 21, verse number 15. And when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, I'm in original King James, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Peter said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto Peter, feed my lambs. Then Jesus said to Peter again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter said unto Jesus, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. Jesus said unto Peter a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? So Peter breaks down. He's grieved. There's no other reason for that language to be used here. He breaks down and he speaks back, he speaks back to the Lord and his, his, his emotions coming through, his brokenness, the grief of it. Remember, this is uh, John telling the story. John watches Peter as tears come to his eyes. John watches Peter as his voice breaks. And he says, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. The best reason to start over again is simply answer this question. Do you love the Lord? Yes, Lord Jesus. I love you. Yes, Lord. I love you with a love that never fails. Yes, Lord. Will you walk with me? Will you let me love you? Yes, Lord. Will you open up your heart? Come with me. I will show you things you could not believe. I will take you places you could not believe. I'm preparing a place for you and all that I love. Will you come to me and let me love you? Yes, Lord. Would you respond to this presence of the Lord that's in the house right now? Lord Jesus, we respond to your challenge to us. We respond to the utterance of this moment. We respond to the unction of your spirit. We dedicate ourselves to you today. Church, would you just take a moment right where you are if you'd like to kneel where you are, if you'd like to come down to this front for a few moments. 
In a few minutes, we're going to take communion together, those of you want to, who want to partake of that. But before we do that, let's just, let's just take a moment right now and let's go to the Lord. And if there's anything in our hearts that we need to repent of, let's do that. And let's, if at all possible, recommit ourselves in this last Sunday of uh, this year, going into a whole new day, a whole new year of possibility. Uh, wherever you are, just pray right where you are. Right. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.